0: Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Welcome to episode 29 of the Leadership Matters Podcast. Got a real special interview coming up for you in just a minute here with Kevin Shepard. Kevin is lead pastor of Glad Tidings Church in Burlington. He also serves as the assistant to the superintendent in Western Ontario District. And this conversation went all sorts of different directions, which I really think you're going to appreciate. We talked leadership. We talked his being hospitalized for three weeks as a lead pastor, how that affected him, and just all sorts of different things, including COVID, George Floyd. We talked about it all, and so I think you're going to appreciate my conversation with Kevin Shepard. Here it is. Somebody who I have come to appreciate and respect so much. And uh, I believe one of our sharpest leaders in our fellowship across the PAOC, Um, he would probably never admit that himself. But uh, I just, anytime I'm around this guy, this leader, I glean so much insight and wisdom from and just appreciate his heart for the local church as well. And uh, I know it's somebody who lives this out, and just uh, speaking with him, and I'm sure you guys will recognize that today on this interview. So it's my pleasure to welcome uh, Kevin Shepard to the podcast today. Kev, so good to have you here today with us. Uh, thanks, Jerry. Real humble to be here. Yeah. Well, uh, we're we're looking to uh, to get to know you a little better, and maybe maybe that's a great place to start for our listeners who maybe don't know of you. I'm sure most do, but. We have all sorts of different listeners, uh, not just in church world, but even in the business sector and beyond. That I find out all the time that are listening to this, which is very humbling to me as well. So, uh, maybe for those who don't know you, tell us just update us a little bit, um, kind of where you're ministering currently, and maybe a little bit of your history too. Have you always? I know you're currently lead pastoring and uh, also serving as an assistant to the superintendent there in Western Ontario District. But you haven't always done that. And so maybe just a quick snapshot bit history to that got you to where you are today.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, So, yeah, I've been a pastor this September, I will have been a pastor for 24 years, which I can hardly believe. Wow. Um, But, uh, and I, you know, I've served in pretty much every role that you can imagine. Sure. Um, been a youth pastor, worship pastor, assisted pastor. I uh, I oversaw the family ministries, young adult. I even led women's ministry out of necessity Hello. at one point. Yeah, <laughs> the, I don't think that was good for either of us. You yes. know, <laughs> it was not it was not ideal for them yeah. or for me. Uh, wow, kind of led in all kinds of ways throughout the church. And uh, you know, the truth is, all I've known pretty much is the church. My dad right. was right. a pastor. Um, I grew up in the church. My dad pastored the same church for 20 years, Um, and you know that was great for us—stability for for kids and and all that was was really really good. Um, But I would I would say you know as I was getting close at a high school, ending high school, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I had a lot of interests and and abilities and a wide range of things that I could have directions I could have gone. One of the things that frustrated me, though, was like everybody in the church, like I had an older sister that went to Bible college, an older brother that went to Bible college. So they came to me and didn't say, you know, what do you think God wants to do with your life? Or what do you think you want to do with your life? It was just, so when are you going to Bible college? Right, right. And man, I didn't like that very much. I've always been pretty independent. So I kind of pushed away from being a pastor. Sure. And I took a year off after high school, tried to figure things out, worked for a while. Um, and it wasn't until I was on a sports trip in uh, Venezuela, actually, that I was called to, wow. to go
0: into pastoring. Wow. And so that was like a, um, a specific moment then on that trip. Or were, was that like a, a Christian trip where you're having services, or just kind of in your own time, just out by yourself? God kind of, you know, pricked your heart toward ministry. Or what did that look like?
1: Yeah, it was it was a Christian trip. It was it was quite interesting actually. It was um, it was a they took a select team, so you had to try out for the okay. team. It was a yeah. select team between states and Canada. I had to uh, go to Miami. Uh, to try out, made the team. Wow! Uh, we played the top uh, college teams in Venezuela, and uh, used some of that profile of the games right. to to minister okay. and did all kinds of stuff. You know, street ministry, went into uh, nursing homes and, and orphanages, all kinds of stuff. Wow. So it was actually through through the the Christians that were there. They just humbled me and inspired me and uh, had so much less than I did, but were so generous yeah. and so sold out for God. And I just wasn't yeah. there. And it really made me review my own relationship with God. And in that, you know, kind of desperate call to God, I just want to serve you, do what you want. It
0: yeah. was in that
1: moment that I felt God's call to be
0: a okay. time ministry. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. um just out of curiosity what sport was that that you were playing uh basketball yeah okay yeah a baller all right there I was a baller. <laughs> <baby>. a baller. <laughs> oh that's really cool and yeah. uh, always i love hearing just how god gets a hold of people's lives and i knew you were you know a pk and a well-known family especially in the paoc um but i had never heard that side of it kind of how god had gotten a hold of your heart toward uh, and pulled you towards ministry um yeah. Kevin, it's, it's evident that you have a leadership gift and anyone who knows you would, would see that written all over you. But why in this season of your life, you talked about how many other positions you've kind of done it, seen it all in, in terms of church life and church ministry. Why in this season of your life, what led you toward lead pastoring?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's, um, that's a good question. I, I actually ask myself that sometimes.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm sure yeah. There's many days. And
1: particularly on Mondays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I call them trucker Mondays. Okay. It, it, it's like, you know, when you actually. That's feel your like, go-to if you want yeah, to Yeah. You just trucking. feel like you go where you don't have to be in relationship sure. with anybody. Yeah. And you just get behind the wheel and drive. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, thankfully those, those are fairly rare and, and fleeting moments. But I would say. Um, you know, there's a few reasons why I feel, I feel really fulfilled right now as a lead pastor I do. And as you mentioned, you know, I'm an assistant pastor in the district that's really fulfilling to help other leaders. I've got a heart for other leaders and I want to support other, other people and other leaders. And, um, you know, I, I do think it's actually really important for every leader to really lean into that question and prayerfully walk through Am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I, you know, does right. God have a new season for me? You know, in fact, any opportunity that comes along my way, whether it's in a, in a secular field or or in another leadership position, it doesn't matter how small or big or how out of left field, I always take a, a week to prayerfully consider every opportunity that comes right. along. Wow. um and the reason I do that is because I've found throughout my life, when those come along, either God wants to teach me something through the, the, you know, interacting with yeah. whoever it is that's sure. coming up to, or maybe God wants me to help them learn something about their organization, about their leadership. Right. And so I just, I consider them all. And then every time I do, God either really solidifies in my heart that I am doing what I should be doing and keep going or that uh, there's a shift in place. And, uh, you know, and I think at the end of the day, Jarrah, I think God gives options. Yep. Like I think, um, I think the go to Nineveh moments, they happen. Sure. But they're, they're rare. They're like miracles. Right. Uh, I think most of the time God's, God's like, look, I want you to honor me and you know, live for me with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And if you do that, then you can be a lead pastor and do that really well. You can be an accountant and do that really well. You can be a engineer and do that really well, you know, and right now it's uh, it's lead pastoring, but I'm open to whatever God has.
0: Oh, that's so good. Uh, Kev, you you mentioned some, uh, something that I have come to know about you in in terms of we we've invited you to be at various district events in our district. And one thing I've always appreciated about you is it's never just a yes. As frustrating as that can be sometimes for people who are trying to have ministry guests, you always, yeah. every time I've asked, it's always been, well, let me pray about that and get back mm-hmm. to you in a week. And I just appreciate that so much that this isn't just something you're saying on a podcast that sounds super spiritual. This is actually no, something no. you live out. And I appreciate that so much. But you you mentioned something there a second ago. I'm wondering if you'll go a little deeper and drill down just if I can ask this follow-up question. You said, sure. you know, you you have to ask yourself, am I doing what God wants me to do? I'm wondering if if there's uh, a certain time of year that you do that, or is that like a daily thing for you, a monthly thing, or are there check-in, are there regular check-in points that you have um, throughout the year where you'll go back and say, "Okay, God, am I still?" I I know I have that personally, and it's once a year for me where I'm I'm really setting aside some time to pray and fast through. Okay, God, am I still in the position you want me? Is this right for me for this season of me and my family and that, but what does that look like for you? Like, is there a certain amount of time that you do that or, or what does that look like?
1: Yeah. The,
0: uh, the answer is yes.
1: And I th- I think it's great to have a dedicated time every year. And so, yeah, I do. Uh, I do that as well. But um Jerry, you know, I've been learning over the last, I guess it'd be, man, it's a few years now, I guess probably three years or so that, I, I made a, a shift in ho- how I lead and how I think through what I'm doing uh, every day pretty much. So, uh, you know, you, you know me, I'm a a pretty strategic guy. Yeah, I have my yeah. my calendar is really organized For and sure. focused and intentional. And, uh, you know, I've learned that that's with so many things and on a lot of different uh, or, organizations and boards and that kind of thing. And you just, you know, times premiums, so you really yep. got to focus on, on time. And so I really uh, was dialing in for a long time on really being kind of pretty, uh, almost aggressive with my timetable and schedule and right. all that kind of stuff. And I think that's helpful to a point. It avoids, you know, switching costs and all that kind of stuff. Sure. But um, I was letting my calendar lead me more than I was letting the Holy Spirit lead me.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: And I really uh, had the Lord get a hold of my heart one day. And so I still plan uh, really intentionally. Sure, but every morning I wake up and I say, "God, what do you want to do today?" Wow, that's good. And I got to tell you, it's been so freeing, Jared, yeah. to just listen. The the most important thing that I've learned, the most important question is, listen and respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and that might sound like a Sunday school answer, or might sound no. like you've heard it a thousand yeah. times but uh, man the more i lean into that the more exciting the days become the more in tune i feel like and in step i am with god so yeah it's a it's a yearly thing where i'll take some time to do that it's also a daily thing yeah. where i'm just in the day to day rhythm of life i'm going god What do you want to do today? What do you want to say to me today? What do you want to say through me today? Where do you want me to go? And so sometimes that means an appointment gets canceled, which is really kind of weird and hard for my personality to be obedient to God. Sometimes there's fruit as a result of that. And sometimes there's not. I'm like, I don't know what that was about or if I missed it or I caught it. Right. But there has been some really powerful moments that have happened just in that spontaneous response that I just, I wouldn't have had, I, I couldn't organize them myself because I, I don't have the insight that God does, you know? Yeah, so, for sure. Divine appointments and things. And and then what I also do is I have an accountability partner that I meet with on a regular basis. And so uh, we will we'll drill down for one another on those kinds of questions uh, a couple of times
0: a year as well. Oh, that's so good and, and so helpful. I think for so many leaders listening that, uh, you know, I think what you're saying is it's not it It is a yearly thing where you're having that check in point, am I still you know, but it's also a daily thing, uh oh, which yeah. I think is so rich and I've often said, you know Christianity can be as simple as listening for his voice and doing what he says on a daily basis yeah. I mean that's, yeah, it. that's it and yep. uh it's it's obviously much easier said than done, um mm-hmm. but we're all on that journey trying to trying to live that out daily. Kev, I want to go to some uh, some personal leadership questions. I'm going to jump around here a bit, uh, um, and uh, you've already alluded to some of these things. So I thought we might as well strike while the iron's hot here while we're talking about this. Uh, sure. But you're you're kind of one of those leaders. I think many leaders who know you, anyways, would look at and immediately words like consistent, character, tried, tested, true, like all of these things. You know, very driven disciplined. Um, And you've already listed some of these disciplines. I mean, meeting with God and just how Holy Spirit has kind of spoken to you recently about that, you know, and opening your life and your calendar up a little bit uh, to be sensitive to what the Spirit of God wants to do in any given moment. Uh, That would be a habit, a discipline you're putting in your life for sure. But what could you tell us some other maybe disciplines, habits that you have that maybe people wouldn't know that have really when you look back over the years, you would say have kept you sharp and kept you leading with integrity. You talked about calendar. You talked about, you know, listening to the voice of the spirit. Is there anything else that you would point to immediately and say, yep, um, this is, this is totally kept me in the game, kept me sharp, kept my integrity, high character, all those things.
1: Yeah, for sure. So the first thing I would say is accountability. Right. Um, so, we all need accountability. Yeah, I don't care who you are. If if you think you don't, you think you're, you know, wiser than Solomon and stronger than than Samson and sure, yeah, you know, closer to the heart of God than David. Like, yeah. I, I mean, we all need it. And what I've learned is, as you continue to progress in your in your leadership scope and your opportunities, I realize that there's actually less accountability baked in as you uh gain position.
0: So true. So that's good.
1: The the I have to be intentional about building more layers of accountability around me than when I started. When I started I had leaders over top of me and all kinds of people watching what I was doing. I couldn't make decisions without them. Right. But now it's me. Like I you know, I don't have people watching over me the same way. I have to build that in. Yeah. So you know, I mentioned I've got an accountability partner. We're going on twenty-seven uh, years now, I guess. Wow, uh, I, I sound really old, but
0: oh, that's um, awesome.
1: We've built this really close relationship where of trust, and yeah, uh, we confess sins to one another. You know, James five says that we need to confess our sin to one another, and I, you know, I just try to do that. So we do. That's hard to do. Yeah. I don't know that. A lot of people do it very well, but man, there's healing there. Yep. There's, there's grace there. There's, he helps me when I, you know, one of my issues is I can be uh, my self-critic can be really loud and sure um, I can struggle with some self-criticism. And so he's helped me reframe that and transform myself by the renewing of my mind. Um, we encourage one another. I encourage him, but we've been doing that for a long time. And so he's really helped me, Uh, renew my mindset, my focus, my perspective on all kinds of stuff, everything personally to, in all sorts of ways. Um, But then I build extra layers of accountability in our, in our, my church context and other leadership contexts as well. I just find it super, super helpful. Uh, So I'd say that's, that's one of the things that's kept me sharp. You know, there's an old, (laughs) there's an old Puritan um, named Richard Baxter and I, you know, I his, I couldn't even say what he says sure. as good as he, you know, his language. Yeah. But I'm going to paraphrase it. Yeah. He basically says, you know, as a as a Christian leader uh, and a pastor, you'll have way more eyes on you than anyone else. Mm. He says you could be frustrated by that, you could be annoyed by that. He said, but you need to thank God because with their eyes on you, you're going to be a better person than if their eyes weren't on you. Wow. And, you know, I think, I think there's something there. Yeah. I, I think making sure that we are not hiding ourselves from other people, but being really open and authentic about our lives is key. So I, th- I think there's that one. And the other one I would say is the best learners, the best leaders that I've uh, seen and spent time with are learners. Right. And they don't think that the best idea is, is their idea. They think that the best idea is our idea. Right. And how can we discover that together? And so I've chased a lot of mentors. Um, I chase mentors who I don't think necessarily like I do and don't have the same philosophy because it sharpens me. Right. And um, I chase leaders from outside of my context that don't uh, have the same group think that I would, yeah. and people in, in, you know, intergenerational and intercultural all kinds of spheres. I think those, those things would probably help me. Oh, that's that good. That's really good.
0: Um, I, I know, um, not too long ago, Kev, you, you experienced some significant pain and discomfort as a result of some, some physical health challenges that, that you went through with your back. And, uh, I believe as a result, it left you on your back. And, and from what I know of you, you know, being such a driven leader and, and go, go, go um, and, and you know, get so much done in, in a day and and a week. And uh, I'm wondering if you could talk to us a little bit, because I, I know there are leaders I'm sure that are listening today who have maybe gone through their own season. It may not be physical pain. It might be mental health. It might be or things that have kind of taken them out of the game, so to speak, in various ways and maybe not able to do what they once did. And sometimes that can even happen through, through ministry burnout. Um, But I'm wondering if you would be open enough to, to talk to us a little bit about what that season looked like for you and, and maybe something that you learned most. I I saw it the other day, you know, it's, it's only failure if we don't learn from it. Right. And I'm wondering through that season, is there any big takeaway you've had through it? And, And maybe you're not even fully through it. I don't even know to be honest. Uh, so maybe take us what that season looked like. It wasn't that long ago, um, where you, mm-hmm. you were kind of right out of it from what I hear anyways. Um, got some, some good close friends that are on staff with you there, uh, who were were telling me a bit of that, about that and what that looked like and mm-hmm. pretty concerned for you at the time. So talk to us about that if you would.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it was Churchill that said, never waste a good crisis, mm. uh, you know, you can always learn through whatever crisis yeah. and challenge you find yourself in the middle of. And yeah, it was, um, it was just hit me out of nowhere. I uh, really, uh, very badly herniated two discs in my back, uh, L4, L5, L5, S1. Um, I was in the hospital for three weeks. I was immobile for two months. Uh, it was so bad, actually, that I lost, completely lost the use of my left leg. Wow. Oh um, uh, couldn't, the, the signals from my brain weren't, uh, firing, uh, they were getting cut off and, uh, from the root nerve. And so they weren't getting down to my, my leg. And, uh, that so was, was pretty scary. Yeah, I gotta tell you. I mean, for sure. Um, and one of the doctors had told me, and I, and I've always been into athletics and, and fitness. It's been really important yeah. to me. And, uh, uh, he told me I'll never golf again. I'll never run again. I'll never work out again. Wow. And, uh, that was, I, I was, t- I'll tell you, I was pretty sad about that. It was a hard thing to kind of reconcile and work through. And, and, and look, I know other people have way worse things going on than me. And that was always in the, in my mind as I was walking through this hardship, I was like, this is sure, really difficult. Sure. And other people got it worse yeah. than I do. Um, one of the things I learned actually is I was, you know, yeah, I was on my side. I actually couldn't be on my back. I uh ironically enough, I was actually on my right side. I couldn't lay on my back, I couldn't oh, lay on my stomach, couldn't lay on my left side, I couldn't sit, I couldn't stand. It was only wow. on my right side. And it was just really, really, really painful. Um I was on twenty three pills a day oh, my of goodness. many different wow. sorts and I never, you know, yeah. medication yeah. or anything like that. So uh, it was really, really tough, and I was on a, a hydromorph cotton, which is a you know like more uh potent than oxy like it was a really uh, big big deal so um I was in the middle of that I was laying in my in my living room, and I had a very out loud conversation with God about yeah, it yeah. and uh which I think is actually i've learned is you wonder what i've learned I've learned that that's a part a really important part of an authentic faith. Mm. I think there's a reason why a third of all the Psalms are lament Psalms. Wow. Uh, And there's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. And I don't know if we lament well anymore. Um, And God wants us to pour our heart out to him and he can take it. And I realized when I look at the Psalms, God's not disappointed or frustrated by my emotions. He's made them. And I had this very out loud conversation with the Lord and I felt in that moment, Jer, like just settle in my heart and spirit. This is a divine delay. Mm. And I, you know, I didn't really know what that meant at the time. The uh the surgeon that we had met with had told me I needed to have surgery within four to six weeks or else was risking uh permanent damage uh to the root nerve in my leg, maybe never get movement right. back. And um you know, at this point, I was at six weeks, so I didn't hear from them after four weeks now or six weeks. I had contacted them twice to see what it was going to be how yeah. back, and I felt like, God see, this is a divine delay hmm. and you know, my wife was out at the time she came back. I told her about that experience. She wasn't sharing the same level sure. of sure. peace and patience that I was about because she was having to care right. for me in the midst right. of this. And she was like, I I'm don't done want with this to this. be in yeah. the way. I'm, I, you know, it's over. I want God to say this is a yeah. miracle. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, over time, here, here's a really important thing I learned over time. Uh, God began working, and it took a lot of discipline, and a lot of focus, and a lot of determination every day. Um, when I was in the hospital, I had so many opportunities to minister to people about about the Lord. I led uh, a few people of the Lord, and atheists wow. the Lord, and a number of people was really meaningful. And can tell you some of the wow. other stories another time, maybe. Um, but over time, I started to get strength back. It took quite a long time. I'm still here. I am uh, two years out from that. Okay. It was two years in okay. April. Um, I'm doing much better. I can work out. I actually, for the first time, I, with my therapist, uh, physically distanced, we went to the driving range when they yep. opened. And he carefully ha- had me walk through some swings because I'm going to prove these doctors Come wrong. Come on. And I will golf there again. You will. And so it was really careful. But, it's a it's a testimony to yeah. to God's help, and here's what I learned. You know, in the Bible, when it says that Jesus, you know, touched their eyes when they're blind, said they could see. They said, "I see people as though they're trees." Yep. And then he touched them again, and then they could really see. I was like, I never got that. Yeah. Like, why didn't Jesus just do the whole thing yeah. in the first place? And it really meant something to me. I think God sometimes. Has miracles of process, mm. and there's things that I learned about me, and there's things I learned about him in the midst of the divine delay that I wouldn't have learned
0: right any other right.
1: way. Wow. So the the question I've I ask now when I'm in hardship and I still have them and I still have tough days is instead of asking the question how can I get out of this or how can I get through this as fast as possible. Or how can I get relief as quick as I can? The question I ask now is, how can God be glorified?
0: That's huge. And
1: uh, that gives me very different answers and a very different outlook. Totally. And I start to allow God's glory to shine into the dark places and the dark roads and the dark spaces. And it brings light and life and purpose along the dark road. And that's been a huge learning thing for me.
0: Wow! Oh, that's so deep. That's uh, that's gold right there. I think uh, for all of us, you know, we've all been through stuff, and and some more significant than others. But um, I, I think that's the uh, that's where God's trying to get us all right. One is a very selfish response: how can I get out of this? Whereas the the other is, you know, how can God be glorified through this? How can we make Him more famous? Right? Which is really why we're all here. Our lives are not about ourselves. Um, it, it really is about giving all the attention and glory and, and fame to him is why we exist. So, um, wow, that, that's so deep. Um, Kev, I know you, you spoke about it there, even through that season, how and that's kind of who you are. And one of the things I really appreciate about you um, is is just your heart for, for lost people, for those who don't yet know Christ and you have such a heart for people in your community, um, people you, you might play sports with or whatever, wherever you can engage with people. And the fact that you, you did it even in the midst of your own painful season just shows the, the deep rooted, um, heart that you have to evangelize and, and for, for people and, uh, not as an ends to a means, but, um, you really do care about people. And, uh, I, I know you put high, high personal value on that and, and personal discipleship. And and I know you, I know enough about you to know that you stay away from challenging your people to do things that you're not doing yourself first. And and <laughs> yeah. so what would you say to busy leaders? I, I, I know so many leaders, so many churches, uh, and not to point fingers, but I, I think I've thought this for years, even being in various church positions myself, that, that we often are really good at at leading our people to do what we're not always actively engaged in ourselves. And so Mm -hmm. how have you tackled that? They're leading at Glad Tidings Burlington as lead pastor. Uh, What would you say to busy leaders today who might be listening who have found it very difficult to actively engage? First of all, maybe two-prong approach. Maybe, first of all, why do you think it's so difficult for pastors to engage with lost people in their own community. And, and then, you know, once that happens, it probably takes care of itself. We don't even need the second prong, but um, how would you encourage pastors that if they don't know where to start, you know, kind of how to do that and how to get that mm-hmm. ball rolling?
1: Yeah, man, I could talk for a couple of days on this. I know you can. Sure. I, I think, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I think that, um, you know, I, not to say that I've got it figured out. No, my no. goodness. I don't. I'm learning things all the time on this about myself, my own hesitancy, my insecurities, my fears and all that kind of stuff. Um, and for so many years, I uh, what happened for me, and I don't know, this may be what's true for other people as well. The barrier for us as pastors and leaders that, that sometimes prevents us from doing it is is uh, for a while I had my pastoral call and my personal call flipped. Mm and so the my my focus most of the time my energy most of the time in the day was how can i be a great pastor right. um and how can i work on the church and in the church and that's not a bad calling it's it's a it's an honorable calling it's a good thing but i learned personally that when i allow that calling to get ahead of my personal calling then i've got things Upside down. I've got things inverted. And uh, I need to allow my personal calling as a follower of Jesus Christ, empowered, equipped by the Spirit to lead other people into a loving, growing relationship with Jesus. That is what leads and guides every day. My pastoral calling and the way I lead and live as a pastor comes out of springs out yeah. of, feeds out of that calling first yeah. not the other That's way good. around um, if we make it the other way around you'll never make time and yeah. space for it you, there's just not enough hours in the day unless you make it a yeah. priority in the first place personally and so and, and the other thing i've learned that as i make that personal priority man other people in the church love it and see it and respond to it yeah. as well and um, and you're right there's a consistent there's an integrity in calling people to be disciple makers when you're one yourself yeah. personally and um, you know being involved in the lives of my friends who who are on their way to Jesus is one of the most beautiful things and so, and sometimes it doesn't happen as fast as I want or the way way I think it will happen right. but man they challenge me and it's beautiful and meaningful and uh, so I think I, I think that's what, what it is, Jared, for me anyway, is, man, I, I needed God to break my heart in a fresh way and help me get my pastoral call, my personal call in the right order. Oh, That's
0: good. And, and how, I want to go a little deeper on that before we move from this, but um, sure. how would you say, what are some practices, like, how have you maintained keeping the personal calling ahead of the pastoral calling? Are there are the ways you go about that in your everyday living? Like, how do you, because I know, you know, pastor schedules are so busy and so hectic. Um, and I, I think, I have my own opinions on this, but I want to hear what you think about this. But uh, I think it's not always a matter of, of, of doing more. It's really a matter of being more. And when I say being more, I mean more intentional. We just need to be more intentional about what we're already going to do. It's not an add-on. It's a hey. I'm going to do this. I'm just going to be more intentional with how I do this because this is who I am. Mm-hmm. What do you say to that? How does that how does that play out for you, in keeping that personal calling ahead?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I love that. Um, you know, the, the drive towards intentionality, I think, is really key, really important. And yeah, you 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 actually make time for and energy for and space for the things that are really actually valuable yeah. for you. Uh, and we can't say that people's lives matters matter and not have energy to lean in and, and do it. If we're actually, you know, really revealing the truth about where our energy yeah. and our priorities lie by what our day to day and our pattern of yeah. behavior is. Uh, so I think intentionality is key and really important. Um, I, I I don't want to sound super spiritual or anything or even too simplistic in this, but I it, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about before about listening and responding to the voice of the right. Holy Spirit. And I, I've learned that I can't make God move, but I can make room mm. for God to move. It's good. And when I'm listening and creating space in my life and space in my calendar to just listen to God, not come not just tell him everything or tell him everything I want to do, just actually space to be quiet and be yeah. still and listen with the nagging voices, uh, barking all around us all the time to kind of try and shut that off and just have that Sabbath rest time. I don't mean day off work. I mean, resting right. in Jesus right. and listening to what, what he's saying. I find in those those still moments, those reflective moments—that's where God grips my heart mm. for my mm. friends, and that's where it becomes a priority. And that's where I think I need to reach out to them. And He puts names in my mind and and places to go in order to to reach out to people. Um, so I think it's about making sure we have enough margin to spend time in yeah. prayer uh, and and listen to the Lord. I spend a a lot of time in prayer. And in quiet solitude every week, wow. uh, and I just—if I—I know—I get off track really quick when I'm letting that get squeezed right. out. Uh, becomes more about getting the stuff done, uh, you know, bending to the pressures of everybody else who wants to meet with you, and you know, like I disappoint people pretty much every yeah. day uh, because I just—you dis- I, know, I, I, I can't meet with everybody, but I, man, I just don't want to have that disappointment to God. Uh, that would just be, be foolish. So, um, I think it's about that. And, and what I'm working towards, Jer, I like the intentionality thing. What I'm working towards now is how can it be intuitive Hmm. that I'm I'm wanting to try to push past intentionality to this, you know, the, the instinctive reaction, the intuitive, like, you know, in any moment, how do I so I don't have to sit back and think, oh, yeah, what were the five R's of reaching sure, out to my friends sure. <laughs> or yeah. the seven yeah. principles or whatever, which are yeah. good and valuable. But I want it to be so ingrained in my life that it's the automatic right. response. And that, I think, takes a lot of time and prayer and reflection and going yeah.
0: to the Lord. so
1: yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of it's Oh,
0: that's good, and yeah, I don't think that's simplistic at all i I think that's one thing that often as as leaders um unfortunately does get left out in the busyness and you know, and it's so backwards to mm-hmm. <laughs> I know none of us would want to admit that or you know acknowledge the fact but it's it it really does speak of our desperation or lack of it for the spirit right we Mm -hmm. and the longer we do this Mm -hmm. you alluded to it earlier the longer we do this the more we kind of you know we get it down with okay i got this i know what i'm doing here i've been doing this for so many years but it's that it's like you said it's that constant dependency on the spirit listening daily no matter how long you've been in this um, the, listening for the voice of the Spirit, which really is a humbling thing, because it shows I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I need the voice of the active voice of the Spirit in my life daily um, to sharpen me.
1: Right. I just, I just had this thought. I mean, it's it. It may be sometimes it's not. I don't know what I'm doing, but actually, I think I know what I'm doing, which is yeah. more dangerous. Yeah. And I actually, the longer I'm in ministry, I can dust off the file or you know that thing i'd worked out before i can use that and it works and i know it works and you know i think in that sense jerry like to your point man it's it's harder the longer you've been in ministry to push yourself to stay on the fresh edge of what Hmm. god is saying like i think to be cutting edge is not to have the latest tech thing or the latest whatever me in your sermon or whatever the the to be cutting edge is to be on the fresh edge of what the spirit god is saying and pushing exactly today and you're not leaning on the experiences of yesterday in fact maybe maybe it'll help these are i'll I'll give you some of the questions i ask myself every night when i go to bed is i i ask myself am i praying only when Hmm. i have to can i do what i'm doing Hmm. without god And you really got to sink deep into the layers of the question to really find the true answer is my most meaningful encounter with God, something in the past or something that I was seeking today. Wow. And then this one I started, you know, be pre COVID, but, uh, is the public way I worship more genuine than the private way I worship? Because too often what I caught myself doing is, man, I was dialed in when it was Sunday morning and there was hundreds of people and I was on the front seat. I was dialed in and I yeah. was genuinely dialed yeah. into worship. But my own personal private worship moments weren't as hmm. engaged. Wow. And it doesn't always have to be yes. the same, but but am I as genuine in those moments? And it's just a really good you know, litmus test for my walk with my daily walk with with God, and I'm telling you, you pray those prayers, you challenge yourself with that every night. Oh, it's for change. sure, you for start sure. Seeing stuff about yourself that's uh, that oh, you
0: want those to. those are great, you know? great reflection questions to ask for all of us as leaders. I think we could all glean from those, and uh, and then you know, obviously, we have to answer them honestly and authentically is the next part, yes. right? Um, exactly. Oh, that's powerful. Um, Kevin, this leads us right into just a couple ministry questions. And, uh, I know our, our time's going here quick, but this has been, this is so good. Um, I, I could talk for hours on some of this stuff and I know you could too. Um, unfortunately we don't have hours. So I want to jump into some ministry questions here. Um, first one w- would be related to, to the church in Canada, and I know we're, you, you just alluded to it, you know, we're amidst this COVID-19 and and uh, you spoke about it earlier too, that crisis is a, you know, is a real opportunity. And I'm sure that's how you're viewing it these days as well, that, uh, you know, obviously despite the the hurt and the pain and the deaths that are taking place, we don't want to minimize mm-hmm. that, obviously, um, no. because real people are, are hurting in significant ways. Um but mm-hmm. the the church in Canada, even pre-COVID, uh, we kind of have, you know, there's churches that are in decline. There's those that are maintaining uh, just what currently exists. And then there are churches that are actually growing. And I, I'm just wondering from your perspective, because uh, I know you are one of those sharp thinkers out there, and that has a lot to do with the personal things that you just talked about. I think you've just given us a great foundation of kind of, why it is, why you're seeing what you're seeing. Um, but what, what are some of the contributors, largest contributors, um, reality of where the church in Canada is? I think there's kind of stats I've seen, and I think this is even nationally now it's kind of a third, a third and a third, you know, a third of the churches are in decline, a third are maintaining and a third are are seeing growth. Um, any reasons to that or largest contributors, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here because I do want to get to some, some COVID-related stuff and some current issues mm-hmm. and, uh, that we could talk about, but uh, I do want to hit this because even regardless of COVID, I, I think we're still seeing that and maybe even, maybe even more majority in decline and maintaining now that COVID has hit. What, what do you think are the largest reasons for that, that more churches aren't growing? Yeah, first
1: thing I want to say is, man, the way that you set up a question uh, and with such affirmation, I think I'm going to call you more often <laughs> just because you really encourage me. <laughs> it makes me feel so much better about myself and everything. Well, that's I'm good. That's good. I'm doing my such job an then. Encourager, so I that, mean it though. That's, I really that's do awesome. Mean but, it. I'm not
0: just pumping your tires, I know you do. So. I, I, I
1: believe you. I just like, I'm like, wow, I, I need to call you more often. So, Uh, I, you know what I, we could, these, these are, you know, a series of podcasts to be able to kind of talk about this stuff. So really quickly, I would say, you know, yeah, it might be a third, third and a third. The, the, the stats that get me the most are, you know, we got what 7% of the, of the population go to church or something. Uh, We're missing 93%. So, you know, to me, I'm like, we've got to, we've got to innovate. We've got to think differently. We going back is just, doesn't seem like an option to me because it wasn't really working uh, very well. So we need to think innovatively. I think I feel like part of it is that we were thinking about the church organizationally instead Hmm. of organically. Um we were taking like the, if you build it, they will come mantra a little too literally. And, and, you know, so I, I feel like what we need to reimagine is reimagine the church in the way that it was originally intended. And I wonder what it would be like and what could happen if we actually realigned our praxis and Mm. our doctrine. Uh, What I mean by that is, you know, first Peter two, five, is you are uh, the you are priests. You, all of us are. You right. are his holy priests, and through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices to please God. So, I, I think, what if what if we really believed in the empowerment of every believer? What yeah. if we really believed in the priesthood of all believers, yeah. and we acted like it? So we didn't professionalize church. We didn't make the hero of the yep. church the pastor or the lead communicator but the hero of the church was the individual believers empowered by the spirit to transform their family, their culture, their school, their youth group, their, yeah. their world. Uh, what if we did that? What if we thought more organically instead Good. of organizationally? Um, and, you know, so I've been, I've been diving back into our roots, man. I've been diving yep. back into our roots as, as a Pentecostal fellowship that we were ordinary yep. unschooled people uh, we are motivated and led by people who other organizations didn't necessarily think uh, were the best to lead. And man, we just totally became a movement. And it was just about individual people empowered by God, not satisfied with what was, and were motivated to see yeah. something better and different. And that's what I would just want to inspire everybody to do is just to dream and think and pray and innovate. And, and, and I, I would say this too um you know these but I'm, I'm sick of the covid buzzwords <laughs> yeah like there it un- is unprecedented yeah. certain <laughs> unknown pivot yeah. i'm sick of them i think yeah. everybody else is getting sick of them too and they're like this echo chamber and i think if we're not careful we will be so focused on those they will become and i understand why those words are out there they're um They're meant to uh, temper expectations.
0: It's good. It's good.
1: But if we're not careful, they will shift and become incantations that destroy anticipation and tear down our hope and our confidence and our purpose. And it's like, you know, the old Chinese proverb that says one dog barks at something and a 100 dogs bark at the sound. And that's kind of what's happening. And everybody's saying it's uncertain. It's uncertain. It's, you know, it's unknown. It's unprecedented. What are we going to do? When, since when have we allowed what we're unsure of become our primary focus? Like since when, what leader, (laughs) what leader, mentor, life coach, parent, teacher, best friend, would we recommend hanging around? And they beat words of doubt and apprehension into your mind. Yeah. We just we wouldn't do it, and yet we're 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 consuming this stuff like fire hoses, and I just think we got to flip the yeah. script, and we've got to get back to our primary focus is who we're called to be, and remind ourselves of what God has already declared to be true that we are transformed by the power of God. We can endure all things through Christ yeah. who strengthens us. He's called us. He's equipped us. He's leading us. He will give us inspiration and innovation, Holy Spirit creativity, to transform our life as individuals, then our family and our city and our neighbors and the people around us. I think if we get the primary call right, then church church mm, will transform. That's
0: so good, and I, I just yeah, I agree so much with uh, kind of the uh, the overall sentiment you're giving here, the truth that you're speaking. I just affirm today um, so much. I, I was. I think it was a couple, might have been three or four weeks ago now, Just w- I watched a little TED Talk or something by Simon Sinek. Um, and uh, he was just saying, you know, he was talking from a business perspective, obviously, not a church one, but it, it totally translates to the church in that I think there are so many leaders in conversations just waiting to go back And, uh, and waiting till this is all over kind of putting life and church and ministry on pause so we can wait till we can gather the saints again together in a physical building. And, and he was kind of saying that for businesses, you, you can't, you know, look at this and think, how, how can we do what, what we've always done in a different way? That's the wrong question to ask. The better question is how can we do what maybe we've never done before and leverage this as an opportunity and how will we do what we do in a new day, in a new world? And uh, I just thought that was so powerful. Um, and, and I think we need to be thinking in that lens. And, and I totally agree, Kev. I just say it over and over again to even the youth pastors I'm leading that, guys, girls, like we, we really need to get a pulse on what God wants to do. I, I think this is a major, major turning point for the church and that God actually—not that He produced it, not that you know—but I believe He can use it to actually transition us in, into a real expediated yeah, form I, of, of advancing the kingdom today. And
1: I think too that there's um, there's yeah. probably some leaders who are pretty discouraged right now in the midst of everything going on, and and it's been really hard. And I just I would totally speak totally. to them and just I want to encourage them that. Uh, Yeah, things are difficult and they're unusual and unpredictable and and maybe depending on personality, it's, you know, it's easier for some personalities than others to adapt to change and hardship and difficult environment. But, you know, to get back to your calling and remind yourself why you're doing what you're doing and who you Mm. are in Christ and get back to that foundation. Don't allow the circumstances to define your calling and who you are, but allow who you are and your calling to define how you're going to lead through the circumstances. And I think, uh, yeah, you're right, innovating. One of the things I'm thinking is, you know, yeah, we, if the numbers are that we got 93% of people in Canada aren't going to church or whatever the number is, we've got to do better. And so I've been thinking recently with my team, well, where are everybody? They're all online. Like 95% of the people you want to reach are already online. And I feel like going to where the people are means going online better. And so one of the things we're talking about right now is what does it look like for us to make a shift from being a physical church that had a small digital footprint to becoming a digital church that has a small physical footprint? Yeah. And that yeah. questions leading all exactly. kinds of disruption <laughs> in our minds and our thoughts about moving forward. But I think For that's sure. kind of what For you're sure. talking about, and yeah. I, I agree with. Yeah.
0: That. Totally, totally, yeah, and uh, that's exactly the way you know. In some of the conversations I've been having with leaders, I've phrased it. You know, it's it's we can't go back. We're not going back, and and the churches that. Refuse to move forward for whatever reason, um, fear, comfort, whatever are, are going to be left, in, unfortunately, in the dust. I believe, and uh, I, I really do believe this is this is a turning point. And you're right, we this is where the people are. Um, and so, let me ask this question, Kevin. And we're drawn to the end here in, in a few moments. But um, what's your great? What would you say your greatest concern is for churches? Uh, Once we are allowed to return to their physical locations, like what are you really fearful of? Not fearful, but concerned is probably a better word. Um, Once physical locations and gathering is able to happen again, and we know stateside, it's already beginning to happen. Some churches are able to gather again in smaller groups, but... What's your greatest concern with that for your own church and then, you know, even for other churches, like in terms of we, yeah, we could miss it here if we're not what careful.
1: could happen in the reality of COVID as a as a threat or you mean in terms of organizationally, structurally the church?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, organizationally, structurally the church, like if you were to miss like if this is a defining moment for churches and organizations Um, what are you most concerned about? What are you most thinking about? I mean, you already alluded to it a little bit just with the, you know, in the future in the new world, we need to be more, have more of an online, not presence, but be online and have a physical presence. But what are some of the other things you're concerned about in this season um, of time? And look, I, I miss, uh,
1: gathering together. I realized actually a few weeks into having online church and I was so thankful for the uptick on that and everybody was engaging it was you know good and we adjusted quickly and notice i said adjusted not pivoted but we we adjusted quickly and all that was good yeah (laughs) so but well uh, said well said (laughs) um, i realized there was something missing and i was like man you know the service was good but what's missing what's missing i realized what was missing was i missed hearing the body of christ sing over one another i missed I miss that collective worship experience. And so I don't want us to think that uh, watching a service online is church. Uh, I mean, it's not, it's more tactile than that, right? It's it's gathering together. It's sharing meals with one another. It's meeting people's needs. It's, it's more tactile. So I'm not saying it's only digital and not the gathering. I think it's both and right. Right. But for, uh, for us right now, I think, we've been missing how important and vital the move to digital is and online is, and we, uh, we need to put more energy in that. So I, my concern is that as churches are allowed to regather and I, I'm saying regather, not reopen, cause we never closed the church, but to regather again, right. I think, right. no, that's good. um, the concern would be that some churches would feel like then they can go back to what was and gathering together becomes the primary vehicle through which we reach our nation, and i don 't think it will hmm. um, i've i've got hmm. friends and people who don 't yeah. live near me that have been joining our online experience over and over again because they don't have the barrier of coming to our to our site and And we've created connection with all kinds of people. So I I think a concern for me is that we go back to gathering at a central location, time and space, as the vehicle through which we think we're going to reach a nation. We can't. So what we're looking at is how do we actually invest more time, more energy, more focus, uh, become more intentional about our digital online experience after we regather so that we'll continue to invest and they'll right. actually become likely will become distinct experiences. Uh, I think what happened for most churches and for us mm. as well, we, we shifted from our online, our live experience, our, our we'll call it our analog experience, uh, you know, our gathering experience. And we just yeah. made that. Yeah. What we did online. And I think we're like, okay, we did it. And this right. feels like church. Right. And that's, Fine for right now, but we're actually trying to innovate and go. Yeah, but but just replicating that experience is that the best way to move forward and really reach an online audience? I don't think so. Yeah, I think you know it's got to be a little more like uh, fast moving and different parts. And uh, we're we're talking about what that looks like now. But that would be my concern: is that if we go back and we think that we're going to actually reach a nation we weren't reaching. By going back, we're, we're going to have more of the same. We've got to find new ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, uh, last question on this topic, Kev, do you think there will be people, uh, maybe existing people in the church, already members who are now watching online, participating online, engaging, who may say, you know, even once buildings maybe are, um, Uh, reopened again not that they were ever closed but buildings and and i'm using that word building instead of church because the building's not the church um but do you think once we're allowed to gather in buildings again there will be a percentage of of your people that will not re-engage at the building again because they prefer the online experience or what would you say to that are you concerned about that and and maybe it's not a concern maybe it's like okay well you know, if the shoe fits, wear it type deal. But you did allude a second ago to that that's
1: for sure. It's more I, tactile we're gonna, than that. Too, yeah, totally. Right? We're so, gonna lean into that. Like that we're component. talking about what that looks like right now. I think at the beginning in the first six months, there's certainly gonna be people who shouldn't be coming back who are vulnerable or older or you know, and right. and even what, what's that experience sure. gonna look yeah. like? I, I feel like we're wanting to make sure it's more effective and safe to have people back. And so yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of people who do that, but I think more to your point, are some people going to prefer to the online experience and, and not come back? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and I, I, I actually hope so Yeah. Um, because what I hope is that right. we will become right. a movement again of people who meet in homes and that's the church. That's what I mean by organizationally versus organically. Right. we, we've it's missed good. the x2 thing we've missed how the church grew it was we've missed it we've, yeah. we've become yeah. about if i'm going to open a church i'm thinking organization i'm thinking building i'm thinking you know sound system and lighting and all that stuff i'm not against right. that but man to the point of stopping and i know i'm getting a little preachy but this is exciting for me what if we no, it's good. what if actually it's good. people believe that they're priests to their community and their neighborhood. And they actually live that. And so they have watching parties yeah, in their home. Yeah. They they gather together, they watch, they have a meal, they meet one another's needs, they pray for, pray for one another. And they go and they invite more people to do that. And they spread the kingdom. Come on. That's church to me. I Man, I'd I so love good. to be yeah. a part of that. So I'm I'm thinking we need to decentralize the church to some degree. I'm not talking about completely do away with what is. I think there's great value in what is. I and mean, yeah. that'll be still there and existing. But man, there's a new day and a new opportunity to ignite this. And we've got people watching. I, have, I was on email yeah. with a guy from the Dominican Republic this week because he's been watching our services for the last eight weeks and wanted to connect personally. And so I'm praying for him and we're reaching out and we're connecting. And I'm thinking about how can this guy start to spread his faith wow. in the midst of his neighborhood in Dominican Republic? He's never going to come to our building. But man, he could start a church in his home.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: How can I equip him, inspire him, help him and let him go? It's never going to translate into offering in our place, but that doesn't matter. But it could translate into into people actually being who they're called to be. And man, that would be fun fun to see happen.
0: Oh, that's good. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool, Kev, and i love to, obviously, we can all sense the the passion in your voice as you uh, share some of these things. It just shows what your heart is kingdom mentality and not just kingdom of Glad Tidings Burlington or or anything like that, which is just massive. Kev, I want to hit one more, and uh, this is not obviously in order of importance. We probably should have or, or could have started here, but it's a hot topic right now and something so sensitive and uh, I got to be honest. Uh, I don't even know how to tackle it, and and uh, I'd love to hear your perspective. And I know we're a couple of white guys on a on a podcast, and it's today the recording of this, the timing of this, May twenty eighth, the date of this recording. There's some some real sensitive things that have you know gone viral, been in the media uh, to do with racism and George Floyd and Christian Cooper. And, and these are very familiar names, real people with real stories. And, and so I don't want to avoid this. I don't want to stay silent on it. And, uh, and so I'm just wondering if you uh, had any insight, maybe, you know, helps for pastors out there who are leading. I've seen some who have gone public already, mm-hmm. uh, and trying to be a voice, um, for a voice for the voiceless. And, uh, I'm just wondering if you have any insight helps maybe things you're wrestling through as a pastor, as a leader, as a, a public figure, um, that would help others who are maybe wrestling this, this whole yeah. topic themselves yeah, well, and thanks. how to address thanks it for properly. Bringing
1: this up, Jared. And, um, I think it's so important that, that we do talk about this, that we don't stay silent as leaders. And I know yeah. sometimes as a white yeah. male, uh, my privilege and my power uh, that I have by virtue of just being born a white male um, is is yeah. intimidating and is different. And I can't fully understand what it's like uh, to be someone who, mm-hmm. who hasn't had that uh, opportunity or that people look at them different because they don't look like me. And You know, I would just encourage uh, every person, regardless of who you are, where you come from, what you do, that we sit down and we listen to people who are influenced and and feel this pressure and this tension every single day uh, and the concern and the worry. And it's not undue complaining and it's not irrational. It's real. It's tangible it's threatening yeah it's it's nerve-wracking it's concerning um and and i feel like i actually i posted something uh, recently this week just about how the verse of scripture came to my mind when i saw the george floyd thing i was just so grieved and just you know sick about it and just you know a month ago there's just so many incidents over and over again and first corinthians 12 just says if one part suffers every part suffers with it i'm just saying god Mm. how you know i think we should all be gasping for air you know he said i can't breathe i can't breathe i mean it's just we all should be feeling that and suffering and 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 listening and learning and i i feel like it's also important for us to understand that this is this is not just racism. This is systemic. And systemic powers are intimidating yeah. and difficult to try to figure out how to shift. Um, and that's really yeah. what we're up against. That's what we're dealing with. But the only way that systems can change is if individual people like us speak up talk about it give place give room for the dialogue and the conversation
0: yeah it's good
1: you know good. so i i'm grieved by it my you know my heart mourns i uh you know i reach out to some of my friends and try to learn and and understand but we've we've got to do yeah. better we've got and we can't just keep saying we got to do better you know like I, it sure. feels a bit like a roller sure. coaster when these moments happen we all kind of say well, we got to do better what does that look like day to day with our intentionality you talked about intentional earlier well then what does that look like in our life to be more intentional about this you know um one of the Mm -hmm. things we talked about in our church years ago we we were a church that had 24 nations represented in it when i came um and there was almost um pride's not the right word but there was a there was a celebration of that. But when I looked sure, around, yeah. there wasn't it wasn't reflected in the leadership. And so so what the Lord spoke to wow. me about was there's a difference between multiculturalism and interculturalism. Multiculturalism mm. is many cultures existing in one place. Well, okay, we can be thankful for that but maybe didn't really do a whole lot to cause that interculturalism is right. different that's all right. cultures working together for a common purpose with common understanding and all have everybody counts one and there's not power differentials in the midst of it
0: wow. and I don't that's think good. we're intercultural
1: until our cultures are fully reflected in our leadership and so we have over over hmm. seventy nations represented in so church good. now because we've been intentional about this. We've got a long way to go, but it's more reflected in our leadership, and I think deeper understanding and deeper intentionality about how we are understanding our own power uh, and and who we are as an individual and what we can utilize that to do um, things to change the system. That that's that's what that's what that's I'm listening awesome. for.
0: Uh, it's so good. And thanks for going there today, Kev. I I, I just knew it, it is something and I've been guilty in the past of staying too silent. And uh, I, I'm, you know, just as tired of the next as the next person, but but yet not fully getting it what mm-hmm. my brothers and sisters, uh, you know, face constantly that I, as you said, I don't get either. But I want to learn more. I want to be better. And I want to I want to use what God has given me to to be a part of the solution and not just sit back and stay silent because I don't fully understand. And so I uh, just appreciate your authenticity yeah, and going there with us today. Kev, this is this has been so so rich. This has been gold, and I, I just appreciate you so much taking the time to do this. I know you're a busy driven guy, and uh, so this is a, a good chunk of your time today that you've spent with leaders, and uh, I, I hope um, that yeah, it's great. been enjoyable for you as well. Um, Kev, tell us uh, before you go, where can people if they want to find out more about Kev Shepherd. Uh, where can they find you online to follow your story a little further? If yeah, they wanted sure. To do that? Um, What's the easiest yeah, way?
1: I think my Instagram is Kev Shep, just Kev, K-E-V-S-H-E-P. Uh, <laughs> and my Twitter, I'm, I'm not on there tons. I do post things here and there uh, at, at KC Shep on Twitter. Sure. org is our website. And uh, yeah, I'd love
0: to interact and engage with uh, with anybody. Awesome. Awesome. Any last bit of advice, resource you want to share, leadership nugget you'd love to share yeah. with our listeners today before we uh, Okay, go. I'll give
1: you my my two go-tos. Uh, yeah, the, the purpose is in the process itself. Uh, we're so arrival-based, hmm. we don't recognize that the purpose is actually in the process. If we were arrival-based, God would have airlifted the Israelites out of Egypt and dumped them in the promised land. We're we're process-based, and so wow. the purpose is actually in the process. Don't look about arriving. Look about what God's doing in you as you're in the process and the journey. Mm. And the other one I would say is my favorite quote by a guy named Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. If we just try to tell people what to do and how wow. to do it, they might get the ship built, but they're not going to enjoy it. And they're not going to learn things along the way. But if we teach them to dream for the endless immensity of the sea and what could be, they're going to get the ship built. They're probably going to build it faster and better than we would, would if we told them what to do. And uh, it's going to be more exciting and more fun journey along the way.
0: Wow. Well that was that was so rich that was that was gold right there. We could have started there and just <laughs> yes, drafted a true. whole podcast just on that um, thank you for leaving that right towards the end. I'd love to drill down and go deeper on both of those but we don't have time today but that's just the type of guy you are kev you're you're full of uh, no just these awesome truths today and just respect I'll and appreciate you so time. much thank so you. thanks for doing this. Wow, that was some absolute gold with an incredibly sharp leader like Kevin. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us again today. This has been so valuable, so rich. And if you've enjoyed your time today with us listening to this particular episode, why don't you go ahead and share it with a friend, a colleague, somebody who you know would benefit from it. We do appreciate it. And until next time, remember that your leadership really does matter. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters Podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.